Welcome to the Yuckstown Pegwood Football Podcast. I'm your host, Sal Guayardo. With me, as always, are my co-hosts. That's Dan Kopp. That's Kurt Hess. That's Kyle Searle. And welcome back after we had a week one game. Finally, some football. Uh, but first, as always, follow us anywhere you can find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio. And of course, we're on Instagram at Whitetown Penguin Podcast. Uh, opening the show today, before we get into Valpo and recapping what we saw and getting you ready for Ohio State, just want to turn it over to Kurt to talk more about Ohio State and what we have going on over there next week. Yeah, so guys, if you're in town uh, on Friday, we reserved a uh, Youngstown spot in Hilliard, Ohio called Meatball Mafia. It's actually inside of Crooked Can Brewing uh, in Hilliard. I just posted about it on Facebook. So if you've been invited to the tailgate on Facebook or you've confirmed, get there on Friday. We're going to try to get there at about 4.30 or 5 o'clock. We have tables reserved from 5 to 7. Again, that's called Meatball Mafia, um, and it's in Crooked Can Brewing in Hilliard. Saturday morning, uh, we're going to get to the tailgate lot at about 7.30, uh, south of St. John's Arena, real close to the stadium. Uh, we've got two tailgate spots reserved there. We're going to get there early. Um, asking $25 donation, if you can, Venmo at KMHES12. Um, come ready to eat. Come ready to drink. Come ready to, you know, toss the ball around and play some cornhole. Uh, we've got plenty of spots out there. And, you know, we're doing a big Costco trip on Friday, so trying to get as much as we can. And it kind of depends on if you let me know that you're coming or if you Venmo me and, and send in that donation. That donation covers food, drinks, snacks, um, as well as the two reservation spots uh, uh, for that premier lot. That's one of the premium parking lots. So get there if you can. If you're tailgating somewhere else, if you're parking somewhere else, find the flag. My wife made a, a really sweet Youngstown Penguin podcast flag. Find it. Come see us. Um, you know, we're excited to see everybody. It's, it's already game week. I can't believe, like, we talked about this three months ago, and now it's here, man. Let's go. Thank you, Curdy. And we will all be there, Dan, Searle, myself. We'll all be there, uh, so we're, we'll be happy to meet all the listeners, see everybody again, ho- hoping it's a, a big Youngstown State reunion. So we're, we're excited to see everyone. And again, thank you, Sarah Hess, for making that flag. It looks really cool. Uh, the flag is the logo of our uh, podcast, so look for that, and, and uh, uh, you'll be able to find us. So just a quick recap on what happened on Thursday night, a beautiful night in Youngstown, Ohio. The Penguins rolled and won 52-10. to 10. Uh, However, for those who saw the game knew it was not as easy as the score looks. Just a quick recap of the game. Uh, first quarter started out a little bit slow. The only action was a nice 62 run by Tyshawn Keene. Give us a 7-0 lead. In the second quarter, Valpo got on the board, making it 7-3. to um, Right after that, Youngstown State answered with a 17-yard pass from Davidson to C.J. Charleston, who had a great game as well. Uh, we also answered with a field goal shortly after. Um, and then it wasn't far from that that we were actually very lucky to stop uh, Valpo on a fourth-and-goal play from the one-yard line. That made a huge difference. Uh, Valpo ends up getting the ball back and scoring from two yards out, making it 17-10 at half. But we were very lucky that it was 17 at half because it could have easily been 17-17 tie game. Uh, going on to the third quarter, and we'll talk more on it, but the 
Second half was a much different tale than the first half. Youngstown State comes out firing. Uh, first with the block punt, and we return it seven yards for a touchdown. Mitch Davis runs in for another touchdown. Tyshawn Keen again with another touchdown. Before you know it, it's 38-10. to 10. And then Watley has a 54-yard run, making it 45-10. to 10. And in the fourth quarter is when um, we kind of pulled back the brakes, ran the clock a lot more, and we only ended up with a five-yard run to make it 52-10 to 10 with eight minutes left. And that would be the last score that you saw from the Penguins. So a lot of things to discuss on this. A, it was great to finally see football again. And again, it was a tale of two halves. And um, before I really go to, to Dan to talk about Tyshawn Keen, I guess question for uh, the group around the table, first half, second half, I mean, was it that Valpo ran out of gas or did Youngstown State come out swinging? What was the reason that the second half was so much different from the first half? Yeah, yeah I, so I, I was go ahead, Cyril. I I was at the game um just kind of um just watching it in, in person live, not on TV. Uh you know, it kind of seemed like the Penguins in the first half were still in that camp mode working to find their rhythm with each other and then in the second half it all clicked and they were they came out, they were playing faster, they were playing more free, less less tight. And and I think that was just the big difference between the two halves is I think they were just trying to figure out how to play football together for the first time this year. Um and it you know, there was a couple miscues, but you know, they figured it out. Yeah, man, I, I agree with you. And I remember as a senior, we played, I think we played Dayton our senior year. And, and being from Dayton, like that's my hometown team. I think I, I wasn't nervous, but you have that energy about being back on the field and playing somebody else. And you really have to get your feet settled underneath you. Um, and, you know, there there was a drop pass here early. There was a missed throw here early and, you know, missed tackle because you're over pursuing on something. And like Kyle said, man, it's just getting your feet underneath you and settling into the ball game. Yeah, I think you guys both have really good points there. It, it, we looked a little on the off first offensive possession, a little tight, you know, like you said, Kurt, little overthrow. Um, and you know, we all said, I mean, Valpo was going to come in and give their best shot. You know, they were going to throw some haymakers at us. That quarterback played pretty well in the first half. Uh, so, and I think our guys, you know, both Kyle and Kurt, you guys brought up good points. I didn't, I didn't really think of that. I was at the game as well. I got to see Kyle there for a little bit. And um, we looked like, yeah, we just came out of camp a little, maybe a little bit tight. And then um, I, I, I love that we came out and there were some second half adjustments made and we made plays, you know, special teams and, and those other things. And that's how you separate in a, in a game like that against a team like Valpo. Yeah. I, I agree with all that. I also think that we really probably had no idea what type of offense they were going to come out with. And when we saw it, uh, we made those second half adjustments. And and all honestly, what, what makes Youngstown State different from Valpo or what Ohio State different from Youngstown State is uh, the depth. And, and Valpo, they may have had some guys or some starting depth to keep up with us for a couple quarters. But to go fourth quarters, I, I think it was a two-way street. I think we came out swinging. I think those guys ran out of gas at the same time. 
Uh, but the biggest question, I think, going into that night was how we would replace the NFL talent at running back. And I think we saw it. The Missouri Valley Football Conference Newcomer of the Week, Tyshawn Keen, our transfer, 11 carries, 111 yards, couple touchdowns, look fantastic. Uh, turn it over to you, Dan. What's your take on him? Yeah, I mean, you touched on it right there, Sal. 11 carries, 111 yards, two touchdowns, 10 yards a crack. His 62-yard touchdown was impressive because um, he's a big dude. I mean, I, I, you know, I think they list him at 220-ish. You know, he looks to be every bit of that, maybe two and a quarter, something like that. So it's a different a different guy than Jaleel, of course. And you, you don't replace someone like Jaleel, you know, the guy's, you know, playing in the NFL right now. So, but... I, you kind of there were some times they were running like some zone plays and he's a north south guy seems to be you know I don't see him at practice every day so I felt like he was adjusting to that a little bit um you know he's getting his first reps at you know the FCS level but I think maybe to me he looks like a guy when the weather changes and we're playing in November late October November a guy like that you know is coming downhill at you you know, he's going to put a hurt on some people. So it was good to see him bust that 62-yarder because I think we are we know and we all watch that he's going to get those yards, uh, you know, in between the tackles at times. But to go 62 yards, uh, he's not as fast as Jaleel, but who is? So, uh, but it was good to see a guy like that. It's different than what we've had in the past, I think. Obviously, I think it's been a long time since we've had a big, a big boy like that toting the rock. So I was impressed by him, and I thought the offensive line did a really good job creating those uh, holes for him, and uh, they were good play calls by the offensive staff. So love to hear your guys' thoughts on that, uh, Kurt or Kyle. Yeah, I don't want to necessarily go out there right now and compare him to King Henry, Derrick Henry, but, like, I was watching from you know from TV – like what you're saying with a north-south runner, like Derrick Henry's, I think, like 6'1", 6'2", or 6'3". Like, he's a tall dude. You know, Tyshawn's not that tall, but guys just bounce off of him in the holes where maybe Jaleel had to avoid those guys because he was a little bit smaller. So he's just kind of that same style back where his natural ability and his physical gifts, kind of like T-Pace when, like, we played with Torian. You know, those guys just bounce off of him because of their strength and their size. And, you know, those yards, like what you're saying in October and November when the games matter, like, turn those legs. Your size is going to help us for sure in the run game. Yeah, I think he's just the, the prototypical young sound state running back. 28 Dave, give it to him. Let him, you know, let him, let him get the rock and see what he can do with it. No doubt. Yeah, McLaughlin was definitely the, the smaller – uh, break your ankles type running back. So it's definitely a change of pace for someone that on third and goal, we could hand the rock to him and he's not needing to jump the pile. He's going to go through the pile. So that's, that's something that uh, uh, I'm not going to say he's definitely not better than McLaughlin, but it's, it's something to be excited about that on those short yardage plays, I have a lot more confidence than I did uh, last year. Even though, don't get me wrong, I'd rather have McLaughlin back, but um, after his, his sixth, seventh year, I don't know how many years he played of eligibility. Um, it's time for him to move on to the Denver Broncos. Uh, but flipping gears, uh, Curdy, uh, the former YSU quarterback, have a couple records yourself. Uh, Mitch Davidson, what are your thoughts? How did he play? 
Yeah, I think Mitch played really well um, overall. You know, I, I talked to Jelani, talked to JB, uh, wide receiver coach, the next day. And I just said, hey, JB, like, what would you think? You know, how did it go? And JB gave me a Coach Montgomery, um, which is it's, you know, it's never as good as you think and it's never as bad as you think, right? And I think that that's such a good – I think that's such a good life message overall, um, but especially when you're playing quarterback. I think Mitch plays with such a good mindset. I know he missed some throws early, and you wish you had those big plays early, but like I said, sometimes it's hard to get your feet underneath you, especially when you actually have guys coming after you and there's a threat of getting hurt uh, or getting hit, where in training camp for 30 days, you don't have that threat at all. Um, so there's a little bit of urgency in your feet and a little bit of urgency in your arm. And once you settle that down a little bit, and but you never see Mitch drop his head. You never see Mitch, you know, yell at a teammate. He's always moving on to the next play quickly. So, you know, give credit to Mitch on that. Give credit to Coach Troy. I think he's playing with a great mindset. And you have playmakers out there. It's just a matter of getting them the ball. Um, I saw some shallow crosses and some meshes maybe early on where, you know, those inside receivers, it takes them a little bit more time to get across than it did in camp. And so, you know, those receivers are navigating their routes a little bit too. So that, that passing game will come. But the leadership is there. The mindset is there. Um, I'm not worried about the offense whatsoever. I, I really think that it's not even nervousness. It's just kind of settling down in the game early on. Um, and when you have a great run game like that, I know Mitch is going to be feeling good about that. But every time I message and talk to Mitch, He's so level-headed, and the guys love him. You can really see how the team responds to him. You know, that's something that I wish I would have done a little bit more of when I was playing, like guys like Dante and Tanner Gary and even Ricky Davis who were right after me. Man, those guys got along with everybody, and Mitch has that in him, and that's such a good quarterback trait. So proud of Mitch, and, and you know, keep that thing rolling, man. I, I know those big plays will come. Love the recap. Um and it could just be me. I may be just a negative person. Uh, I thought of the first half, like you said, he had to settle in. I thought he was just eyeing down Bryce Oliver for a while or trying too hard to go to him. It reminded me of the old uh, Brandon Summers um, only looking at Donald Jones type of offense there for a while. But you're right. I, I don't know if he just needed to settle down or what, but as soon as he started to spread the field, um, I was really impressed with CJ. I, I'm glad to know that we have another wide receiver on the field who's just as capable as Bryce Oliver to step up and, and make some plays. So uh, glad to see you ended up uh, spreading the love and, and reading the defense more there uh, as the game went on. And sometimes the matchups just give you that too. I felt like there were a lot of times they left that corner on Bryce and it's like, listen, I don't care what the play call is. If you have no safety over top and you're matching up this corner, this corner needs to prove that he can stop Bryce right now. And so, you know, like to Dominic, you know, Sums didn't always have that with Donald Jones or Don Barnes, but like if we're getting played man coverage on the outside and you got a one-on-one, -on -one, we got the formation with our ex Bryce Oliver going one-on-one, -on -one, like you should take that 10 times out of 10, especially early. And Bryce is getting his route running down too. He's got a different corner he's going against. So I think there's a little bit of gamesmanship in there. Fair. Um, Searle. Oh, over to you, the former defensive lineman. What are your thoughts on the Penguin defense? How do we do? Initially, like I said, watching the game in the first half, um, in person, I was like, man, like, what are we doing? And I sat and I and I watched it back a little bit later this weekend. And really, I, I, I'm pretty excited about this defense as a whole. Um, you know, if you take out 
the the couple penalties that put Valpo in the red zone, they still came up strong with a, a fourth and goal. It was fourth and one, and they and they and they stuffed they stuffed them. And uh, that's something to be really excited about. Not many defenses uh, will stand up and do that. They'll they'll just accept the feet and let them get the touchdown and and um you know go play for the next drive. And uh, there's there's one point in the first half where I don't know some Valpo player's helmet was flying thirty yards down the field. That was a fifteen yard penalty. Um. I think there was a bad pass interference penalty in the end zone. And that ultimately um, was the story of the first half. Like I said, they running through um, some some post-camp jitters, a little tight, not playing um, as free as I think they wanted to. And in that third quarter, they, they, they looked like they were playing faster. They were playing angrier. They were hitting guys harder, uh, you know, they had three fumbles, two forced by the defense. One was a special teams fumble, um, and uh, points off turnovers. Uh, Fourteen points off of turnovers. That's uh, thanks to the defense putting them in, putting the offense in position uh, to get those points. And I think that they're going to need to play like they did in the third quarter every single game going into the conference slate. There, no doubt. Second half, hats were flying around. It was a whole new defense, I thought. I, I agree with you on that. Our linebackers played well. Yeah, yeah Alex Howard, Alex Howard yep. was all over the field. Uh, leading, yep. leading tackler for the for the Penguins, nine total tackles, three TFLs. Um, came up big when they needed him, too. Yeah, yeah. He, played, he played big, definitely. Yeah. Uh, as – you guys know, um, at least when we were in college, uh, Family Guy was probably at its peak. Um, and and as some of you probably seen the episode, what really grinds uh, Peter Griffin's gears. Uh, so I want to throw in a segment if, Cyril, I don't know if you have anything on what grinds your gears. Yeah, you, you know what grinds my gears is... Uh, there's a couple things this weekend. There's about two things in the bookstore that I would consider buying. One of them is this uh, dope Columbia shirt. Um, <laughs> but I, I think the biggest thing, and we've talked about this previously a couple times, is I was extremely disappointed in the attendance for the Penguins. Um, be- absolutely beautiful Thursday night. Absolutely stunning. Perfect football weather. Um, you know, 7.30 kick. It, you know, it, even in the first half, like I get it as a school night, but I mean, if you want to get your kids in bed, get them in bed after the second half or, or after the first half. But I mean, it, I was really disappointed in that. Um, the people that were there were excited. They were charged up and ready to go. Um, but yeah, I just want to see more fans in the stands for these penguins. Cause I, we're all really hoping they're going to be exciting. And it's like, they deserve, they deserve some attendance. Right, and just to share, watching the game from Tampa, Florida, um, the TV, and I know, Curtis, you watched on TV too, they zoomed in on the student section, and the student section looked lit. It, it, the TV made it look yeah. like it was a packed, crazy house. TV-wise, we had no idea until you and Dan had text that the attendance was you know so, so weak, and that's when I pulled up on the stats that uh, we had 8,600 people 
in a 2,000-seat um, stadium, and we filled about 42% of the stadium. So it was less than half of the stadium was full that night. But I would have never known unless y'all y'all said so. Yeah, it, 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 Kyle, you hit it on the head. I, I don't even know if I should chime in on this, but I'll just say the attendance was <laughs> was was not what it should be. I mean, you know, come on. I would say, Sal, I think uh, I think 42% filled is being a little generous. Um, they might have sold 42% of the capacity of tickets, but that, that wasn't the case there. Um, you know, I, I would say it would be closer to like high 20s to 30% filled. Definitely not 42. Mm. So. Well, I, I, know, I definitely, I definitely don't want to end on a negative note before we start end with the Valpo any comments on Valpo before we wrap it up put it behind us and and try to go one and oh again around the horn well you can't give me a you can't give me a segment like grind my gears and not expect it to end on a negative Sal <laughs> that's what I, I just realized I didn't want him to stop talking about Valpo <laughs> on a negative note after we won 52 to 10 <laughs> no what I, it, the, the game, the, the the atmosphere was sweet. I mean, the people that, like I said, the people that were there, they were they were energetic. They were into it, and um, I just want to see more of it. I mean, and I think Dan Kerr, unless you want to say anything more, I mean, I think we hit it on the head. I mean, we liked what we saw. It was a tales of two halves. Like, luckily, the second half was in our favor. Uh, first half was slow, but. Uh, maybe that's why we schedule games like Valpo to open the season, you know? I guess the only thing I would say next is, you know, trying to make a case for how do we beat Ohio State is we're going to have to bring in all three phases of the game, right? And so that second half showed defense. You know, we caught, we saw some glimmers of offense and, you know, the big play potentials there, but finishing drives in the red zone in the second half is definitely going to be something we have to do. Um, and, and taking care of the football, something I, I failed to mention talking about Mitch earlier. Mitch took care of the football. You know, don't put the ball on the ground. Don't give it to the other team. You saw what happened at the minute that Valpo had a lapse on special teams. Um, you know, all three phases of the game are going to have to be there on Saturday if we're going to keep this thing close and, and go out there and shock the world. Yeah, I mean, Kurt, uh, both you and Kyle obviously bring some great insight, and Kurt as a you know, Sal only gave you credit for two records. I, I think you have like 19, but so, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but to give that analogy of Mitch's play that, yeah, I mean, when, when other guys are buzzing around you and flying at your legs and a little bit different, but he, he, you hit it on the head, no turnovers. And, and maybe, maybe the offense really didn't show a whole bunch because maybe they don't want Ohio state to see some of that. Don't know, but and Kyle touched on just the defense. We're, we we fly around, you know, in that game that we all watched. Um, they were buzzing around, and to have a goal line stand, I don't care who you're playing against, uh, that you could stop someone down there. And so I think all good things, other than the attendance, but we've been beating that up for a, for a long time. So, uh, you know, that's I feel bad for the players and coaches at times because they deserve better. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I was up in the suites for a while. That's where I saw Kyle. And it, I'm going to end on this. Believe it or not, people were complaining up there that it was too cold in the suite. So, Sal, you, you might have said you were looking for I'll say I so, suck at that. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure yeah. it was. So, I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. So, that's all I got on that. 
Curdy, uh, I guess to wrap it up on Valpo, uh, Instagram, any, any Instagram thoughts or, or comments? Yeah, I think the one thing that we didn't mention, um, I mean, it kind of came, I was trying to give some people some love on this one. Um, yeah, I mean, DBYSU hit us with the attendance. We talked a little bit about that. Uh, Mike Voidis got us, said, love the special teams. We talked about that, being as a strength of our team. Uh, a couple people, Jarvis Richards, you know, a couple other people talked a little bit about the targeting call. I don't know if you guys want to chime in on that. I know, you know, Trowers, I think he got the targeting call in the third quarter. So that kind of puts him out for the first half of Ohio State, which is um, very, very unfortunate for somebody that, you know, cares about the program and somebody that's really essential to our team. When you're talking about going up against four or five star guys at Ohio State, we need we need our horses there. Um, but from TV in Columbus, it looked like targeting. I don't know what you guys thought the buzz was in terms of that targeting call, if you wanted to uh, chime in real quick. But I, I think that's a sad situation for us. Um, what did you guys think about targeting if you were there or, or Sal from TV? Well, I'll start it. From TV, it looked like targeting. I hate to say it. I mean, the, the rules of rule, it stinks. I'm upset about it. It's going to hurt us. But I mean, all bias aside, it, it, the, the call was made correctly. And, and before I let the other guys comment on it, uh, go back to the special team, uh, giving them love. I don't think we gave them enough love. And I actually had noted here that, um, and you guys tell me, and, and, and I'm thinking back of the years, I can't remember the last time we had a good special teams where you're like, wow, Youngstown State special teams is a strong part of this team. This is the first time that I could say, like, I'm excited about our special teams unit, and I think it is a strength of our of our team overall. And, and I don't think of it's it's usually been the the weakness of our team, and it's, it's, this might be the first time in a long time that uh, we could finally say the opposite. Yeah, so I didn't see the targeting play happen in person. Um, it was probably, I don't know, talking to Paul or something at the time. I heard I heard the commotion after we were trying to see the replay. Um, unfortunately, the, the rule does carry over and affect a, a, a second game, which I don't like. I mean, if guys are playing fast, things happen. I don't think it should dictate him not playing in the first half of a, of the next game or, or whatever the case might be. Um, and you know what? I, I, I'm pretty sure I saw there was a player in a, in a postseason bowl game that had a targeting call and he had to sit out the first game, the first half of the first game, the following season. So things like that, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Why are you going to, um, you know, affect the outcome of a totally different game with a penalty that happened in a previous game. And I get it. It's all about player safety and things like that. But um, things happen when you play fast. You know, the game's the game's not um, soft and it's not meant to be played soft. And so, you know, it's not meant to be played slow. It's not meant to be played scared or tentative. So he was just trying to make a play for his football team. And sadly, it's going to affect two quarters of the biggest game they've played in years. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I saw it at at the stadium, but obviously you see it one time. It was so fast. Um, you know, it looked it, but 
Uh, Kyle, you know, I never really thought of that. That's a really interesting point you brought up that I guess just now realizing that, yeah, I mean, if, I mean, how do you penalize a kid for basically two games or, you know, into two games for that? I mean, it's almost saying, well, he was intentionally doing it. How do you, how does someone judge that a referee, let alone that, you know, obviously it's about safety and he sits out the rest of the current game, but yeah, it sucks for us going into Columbus. You guys all touched on it. Um, it's a, it's a violent game. And I agree with the rules to protect people. Um, but you're, you're kind of saying a kid is doing it intentionally and you're going to penalize them for the next game. Uh, I think that's a really good point, Kyle there. I had, I didn't really, I guess you don't think about it till one of your own guys does it, you know, and, and you, you look at it in that light. So, but yeah, I mean, Ohio state's got great receivers, so we, we need all hands on deck and maybe we could, uh, speed that first half up a little bit by running the ball a little bit. So we'll, we'll see. And don't get me wrong, Cyril. I guess the difference in what you think of it, I hate the rule. I think the rule stinks. I, I don't care if it's for their safety. It's not the football that we all grew up with. Uh, but the rule being the rule, by context, is the rule. The rule does stink overall. I hate the rule. But Well, it's not just, it's not just the offensive player's safety that they're trying to – you know, it's not just the offensive player that they're trying to oh, protect. It's mostly the defense. You know, it, it's a defensive player where if you if you tackle somebody like that in a bad position, you can have neck injuries and and you know you could ruin your career like that. So, <clears throat> but the but the big thing is if you want to have that rule, fine. Have the rule protect the players. Don't don't dictate how the first half of the next game is going to be played because you penalize this kid the, the previous game. That's fair. And more times than not, it was unintentional anyway, right? Yeah. Well, how about when they hit those guys below the knees? I mean, what about the – how many guys do you see where a guy gets balls out in the flats and this DB comes up and just cuts the guy and blows his knee out? I mean, that's mm -hmm. just as – I mean, they're the, they're the same kind of targeting. I mean, you know where you're going. If you're going low to hit a six-foot – six 260 pound tight end and you're a 185 pound corner and you're going right for his knees you're ending a guy's career i mean i i think that's the same thing you're not targeting the head but you ain't playing football without your acl so you know enough from me sorry <laughs> yeah all right i think we're good on valpo kurt you hit on the the all the in instagrams we're ready to put it behind us yeah we're good all right Just going around the conference real quick. I know we made our own picks. Uh, just to kind of recap our standings, uh, Cyril and I finished at last place of the 16 that we picked. We both went 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, Kurt did one better at 9-7. and seven, And the champion of our picks, uh, mostly from Sal's Casino with the spread odds, is Dan Coppin, 11-5. Congratulations to Dan. Um, rumor has it. Wait, I hate predictions. How the hell can I win? You're I hate on it, dude. You're on it. And, and insider information in a few weeks. Uh, sports gambling in Florida is supposed to be legalized. The Seminole Tribe and the state of Florida seem to have come to an agreement. And what I'm getting at, Dan, is if you want to tell your brother Brian a little bit of advice, um, I'm, I'm going to say that uh, he needs to call you before he plays any sports bets out at our casino. <laughs> 
The only thing but, I want to do in Tampa is go to Council Oak down there in, in the casino. In the so casino. And then, and then a, I just I'll want a big old state. Sports bet. Well, let's yeah. see if you can do it two weeks in a row. But uh, <laughs> real quick, recap, so everyone knows, and I'm going to run through these quickly. Please step in and say something if you have a comment on uh, any of these games. Uh, Eastern Illinois at Indiana State. We had Indiana State favored at minus uh, three and a half. Eastern Illinois smoked them 27 to zero. Uh, I have one comment. I don't know if everyone watched that game. Indiana State looked absolutely terrible. They couldn't strain a drive together to save their lives. Uh, I know we did our power rankings before. Um, and after week one, I'm going to make a strong adjustment and I'm going to rank Indiana State the worst team in the conference. Um, it, no one has to speak up on that, but that's my two cents for what I saw from those guys. Uh, we all got that wrong, by the way, so no one got points off that. Next, we had Youngstown State at a minus 45 um, over Valpo, and the score, as you guys know, is 52 to 10. Uh, Kurt and I got that correctly. Youngstown State did not cover the 45-point spread. Next, South Dakota at Missouri. Um, Dan was the only one that did not think um, South Dakota would cover, and they didn't. It was a 28-point spread. Final score, Missouri 35-10. to 10. Uh, Western Oregon at the Jackrabbits, uh, minus 52 Jackrabbits. Final score, 45-7. to 7. We all got that wrong. Uh, Kansas, Missouri State. Kansas wins 48 to 17. Kansas covered the spread, which we all got correctly. Uh, Dayton at Illinois State. Illinois State blew them out 41 to 0. Uh, Kurt and Dan, kudos to you guys. Y'all got that one correctly. Uh, you and I at the old fighting John Haycox of Iowa State. Uh, the spread was minus 10. Iowa State rolls 30 to 9. Kurt and Dan again on that one. Uh, the big game moved to uh, Minnesota, Eastern Washington at North Dakota State. North Dakota State wins 35-10. to 10. Uh, Just to share with you, Sal's Casino had it at a minus 24.5, and the Bison covered with a 25-point lead. We all picked the Bison, and they covered. Uh, Drake at North Dakota. North Dakota covered and won 45-7. We all picked them. Um Austin P at Southern Ill. I actually got this wrong in our notes. Southern Ill did cover and win 49-3. We all picked them. Uh, Presbyterian at Murray State. Murray State making their debut as a conference member. Won 41-7. We all picked them to cover. They did. Uh, the Leathernecks at New Mexico State. New Mexico State wins 58-21. We all picked them and they covered. Um, then just some few key games that we picked. Um, North Carolina at South Carolina, um, and that was a minus two spread. Did it matter? It was 31 to 17 Tar Heels. Kudos to Sterling and Dan on that pick. Uh, and Cardiff Word, we all thought would upset UTEP. UTEP came out big and won 28 to 14. We all got that wrong. Um, not a hey, Sal, that was your FCS lock of the week. It was, it was, yeah, but, that was. but I made up with it with my FBS lock when I said that uh, Florida State would win by two scores. I will say I was wrong. They actually won by three scores and should have been four scores as the Florida State Seminoles won 
45 to 24. If you want to talk about a tale of two halves like the Youngstown game, Florida State was surviving in the first half, then just completely took over the game in the second half. Unbelievable. Uh, Florida State rolls, and I was the only one to pick them, so I made up for that. Uh, then the big talk of the week around college football world is the fighting Deion Sanders, Colorado uh, versus Texas Christian with a 20-point spread. Colorado pulls the upset, um, and Serlin Dan had picked them to uh, uh, beat the cover, and they really could have made the money line and, and won. Um, absolutely nuts. I just went through a lot of games. Uh, any upsets or games you guys want to talk about from what I just went through or any game I forgot to mention or we didn't really pick that was a notable game to discuss from last week uh, around the table. Anybody? Listen, this Colorado hype needs to relax. I love Coach Prime and everything, but looking at their schedule, I'm still seeing four losses and could very easily be five. I don't know. I mean, they play Nebraska. They better beat Nebraska. Is that next week, I think? I mean, that's a rivalry game, and they better turn around. Like, they, I like what they did a lot. I love that game. That was awesome. But the way, the back and forth of that it was going, I, I don't know if that can last with them because they had a lot of things go right. So everybody's saying Colorado, the college football playoff. In the words of Sal, easy, big dude. Not so fast, my friend. Yeah. I still see four or five losses. They got some good teams to play still. Something that everyone forgets, Kurt, and, and I don't want to take anything away from Texas Christian. Texas Christian is now one in three in their last four games. They lost to Kansas State. They beat Michigan, lost to Georgia, lost to Colorado. And now those are like some big teams they lost to, but they lost a lot of dudes. Like, this isn't Texas Christian Cinderella from last year. Like, they're not very good. And Colorado's has some dudes. They, I mean, they looked really good. I, I don't want to take away from them, but I agree with you, Kurt. Yeah, and shots. I mean, Colorado played well. And Travis Hunter playing 129 snaps is awesome. I think that that is really cool. Reminds me of Dion. Reminds me of Chris Gamble used to do it for Tress, I think, at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. I love that. And he made some big plays both on offense and defense. Really a stud player. Love watching. Love watching Colorado. I just don't think it's sustainable. Yeah, I don't think the 129 plays a game is sustainable unless he doesn't practice. Unless he's just getting mental reps on on the field. Um, but you know what? I I as soon as I saw them beat TCU, and I said before the before the pick, I was like, Max Duggan was TCU, and he was gone, and I had a feeling that I I, I knew Colorado was going to cover. I had a feeling they could beat them because of the way that the guys respond to Coach Prime. They don't go to Colorado to play football for Colorado. They're going to Colorado to play football for Prime. And he lets them be who they are as players, which not all programs do. Um, I think he, he coaches in a very unique way. I, I think there's going to be some hiccups along the way in the schedule, I saw two losses immediately looking at it. I saw two losses being Oregon and USC, right? Um, but if they can upset those guys, like there's, there's really nothing stopping them. And, and then who are we to say they can't do it? You know, coach prime 
they don't care about what we say. They don't care about what the media says. Um, he's going to let those guys go play how they want to play. And I, I think that brings a different energy to that locker room that not many schools in the country have. And I don't, and, and I never had it. So I, I don't know exactly how it's going to unfold throughout the whole season. I don't know how playing 110 to 129 snaps a game is going to affect a player uh, late in the year. But I think Colorado is a team to watch all year. And, you know, obviously they have been since the arrival of Prime, but based off of that win alone and and some of the stats that those guys put up, it looks like they're going to just be playing free, just lights out. Yeah, I mean, listen – Coach Prime is Coach Prime. He's been that way his entire life. I think um, I I wasn't surprised they beat TCU. I was texting you guys right out of the gate. I mean, they had the three best players on the field during that game. And you can be Coach Prime and you can do whatever you want, but you got to have good players. And his son is a good quarterback. You probably watched some plays. He hung in there and took some hits and made good throws. He's not fair. Yeah, was not phased. Travis mm-hmm. Hunter, I mean, we're talking about a guy who no. played 120 steps. He's he was this maybe the second best player or the best player on the field. Um, and that freshman, true freshman, run, uh, slot guy number three, he had the touchdown that won the game. I mean, those three guys could play probably anywhere. Um, I think they're going to win eight games if they stay healthy. Um, I mean, you know, with that quarterback. They, they're going to be in every game. Now, their defense has got to get better, but you got to have good players. I think the other thing is Deion Sanders hired some good coaches. His offensive coordinator was the head coach at Kent, who was offensive coordinator at Syracuse, is a good coach. The defense coordinator is a guy who been around a long time. Um, whatever the hype and all that, I mean, I, you know, the interviews after the game were hilarious with coach prime. They were hilarious, but that's who he is. I mean, that's who he is. And I, I think it's, you know, cool as heck to watch. Uh, I'm not a big hype guy, but you know, that's Kyle. You touched on that. Sal hurt. All you guys did, you know, guys respond to him, but his son is a freak at quarterback so far. One game. I, I'm not college football playoff that, I mean, who knows, but they're going to win their share of games if they stay healthy. I mean, because if they don't have that depth, they might have brought in 80 transfers, whatever the hell it is, but there's that court. His son, Shador Sanders, he makes it go. If he didn't play in that game, do they win? No. No. No so way. You got to have good players, and his both his sons are good players, both of them. Right. Yeah, I'll say on the other side of the ball, too. And I think, to y'all's point, I think Travis Hunter – he was who we thought we were. Like he was one of the best players in the country athletically. And, and I get, he, he may not be able to play both ways and how many snaps the entire year, but keep in mind, he's playing for the, uh, the best two way player of uh, potentially of all time on Deion Sanders. I think Deion knows how to manage him, And I think that's why he chose to play for Deion Sanders. To Cyril's point, he didn't go play for Jackson state or Colorado. He wanted to go play for Deion Sanders because he knows he's a two-way player, and he knows that's the guy I need to play for to manage it. And to your point, Dan, um, I gave no respect to his son at quarterback, coach's son, 
uh, lit it up at Jackson State in that conference, which stinks. You know, I, I had really low to zero expectations for him. And when he went that first meeting at Colorado, my son's the quarterback. If you don't like that, hit the portal. It, it was like he's in for a rude awakening. But uh, tis the fits. I guess I was in for the rude awakening. His son is an NFL quarterback, in my opinion, if he continues to progress from what I saw on Saturday. Um, and just two more games I want to point out. Uh, one huge one in Waco, Texas. Texas State. Uh, when I say upsets Baylor, they dominated Baylor, peeled away from them. Very impressive. And then shout out to former uh, North Dakota State head coach Craig Bowles as he comes back against Texas Tech, beats him in double overtime. Uh, kudos to him. That was a fantastic game to watch as a couple upsets. I mean, I think we saw a few upsets, uh, but as the year goes on, I think we'll find that they weren't so much upsets as teams that were overrated and underrated uh, since we're only in week one. Um, but any other comments ready to move on to Ohio State? Yeah, before before we move on, I just want to make a note. Um, that Texas State team, um, Coach Prime's Colorado uh, team, was first in F, uh, all college football with most transfers with, I think, 53. And then Texas State was number two, and they had 46 transfers into that program. So um, just a little note there on, on that upset against Baylor. I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. I, I, I remember seeing that Texas State basically reloaded their whole roster with transfers. <clears throat> so, un unbelievable. I mean, maybe the portal is a thing. Who knows? But uh, um, Georgia's not hitting it, and they seem to be doing well. But uh, we'll see how it plays out in the long run. Um, see if those guys can really band together, even though they hardly know each other, and, and put together a full season. Moving on, the Youngstown State Penguins, week two. They are at Columbus, Ohio uh, to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes, currently ranked number three in the country. Uh, the game is at Columbus, Ohio. It kicks off at noon. Uh, you can watch it on the Big Tent Network. Um, the Ohio State Buckeyes have a new starting quarterback. They played Indiana last week. Uh, they won 23-3 under uh, Ryan Day, as we all know, is their coach uh, returning. Um, just a quick recap on how that game went. Um, it kind of went off slow. Ohio State 7-0 in the first quarter. Um, Indiana made it 7-3. Then 10-3 as Ohio State kicks another field goal and then another field goal to make it 13-3 in the third quarter. Uh Right before the third quarter ended, it was 20 to 3. And then as the game ended, they did a 23 to 3. Uh, honestly, kind of boring, anticlimactic game, in my opinion. Uh, the game ball possession was about 50 50. Uh, Ohio State had 380 yards to uh, Indiana's 153, just a one turnover on downs. Ohio State was able to drive the ball pretty successfully with 22 first downs to Indiana's uh, one. Uh, but uh, I think the most obvious thing we are going to really point out and talk about is Ohio State's more new quarterback, uh, McCoy, how he played and what our thoughts are. Um, but I'm going to, instead of 
be just talking. I'm going to turn it over, starting with uh, Cyril and what your scouting report is on Ohio State and what you think. Yeah, so I read some some notes after the game, after the, the Ohio State game there. And one, one thing that stuck out to me was um, they referred to this this win against Indiana as uh, classic trestle ball. They um, The defense played absolutely lights out, and the offense did just enough for them to, to get by. Uh, it, it is not the um, typical Ohio State offense that we are used to seeing with receivers flying down the field, uh, points being scored at will. Um, it looked like that they were trying to find their rhythm with a new guy under center. Um, all the all the pregame notes said, and we talked about this before the show, all the pregame notes said that the quarterbacks were supposed to be uh, split 50-50. Um, you know, and, you know, I had, I have, uh, Brown in my one fantasy league and, and he got me zero points. So he obviously didn't see the field. Um, they rolled with McCord for the, for the whole game. And I think that, um, in the end he, he, he didn't play bad. He has room to grow. And uh, I think the Buckeyes obviously expect him to grow. He's, he's there for a reason and like the rest of those guys. Um, but the one thing to note is that defense looks um, ready to play all season. They look like they're in postseason form. Over to you, Dan. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit before we came on air, and, you know, Kyle brought up a really good point. Ohio State's got dudes. I mean, they're Ohio State. Um, the quarterback – um, he looked like a guy playing for the first time, you know, that getting live reps when it mattered. Um, Kurt touched on this for our own guy. Um, you know, they're running backs. They got a, a stable of backs. And I, I was just a little shocked they didn't get the ball to Marvin Harrison more in different formats. Different, you know, obviously, Kyle, you mentioned it. We're used to um, Stroud dropping back and they're just airing it out. But they got a new quarterback, and uh, he's, you know, he looked uh, like it was his first start. Um, I expect they'll expand that playbook for him um, in this uh, this week against us. They have that tight end. Is his last name Stover? Was that his yeah. last name? Hey, I saw him yeah. catch. Yeah, he caught that one little kind of seam route, uh, the, and McCord threw a great ball to him. Um, they've got athletes everywhere at every position, and they should. They're Ohio State. That's what they should have. Um, I kind of thought maybe the atmosphere, I mean, Indiana didn't really have a very good crowd. I, I don't know. Indiana's, you know, probably in that lower tier of the Big Ten. Um, I think they got a really good coach at Indiana, but they just don't have those guys. Um, uh, selfishly, I wish we kind of would have played Ohio State week one. So maybe that quarterback would have been adjusting on the his first start against us. Um, so he gets another week of reps. They're probably, like I said, I think they'll expand the playbook. Um, but you know, he's probably going to be good, but he wasn't good enough to be their starter and their starters going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL from last year. So, uh, they'll be really good. It'll be a typical Ohio state team. The horseshoe will be absolutely crazy. I'm sure the weather's going to be beautiful. So, um, you know, it's, they're going to, It'll be Ohio State coming out of that tunnel, and um, but we're gonna come out of the other tunnel. So, uh, but I'm I'm just looking forward to seeing kind of 
Uh, that typical, you guys have all mentioned the, the, the growth between week one to week two. Selfishly, I hope this quarterback's growth from week one to week two, McCord's growth is not that big uh, against us, you know, but um, boy, they just seem to struggle getting the ball to those. Uh, what's the other receiver's last name? Um, Book, yeah, I mean, he's he's good too. I mean, they probably got a couple of the best receivers in the country. So be interesting to see. Uh, but they did not look typical of that just so explosive offense. Uh, let's hope they stay that way another week. Gertie. Yeah, I, I think Coach Cobb kind of brought up a good point. I, that was my first thought was here's the seven-year veteran coach at Indiana and not many coaches stay at Indiana that long, right? If you're talking about a lower-tier program that's not really lifting off and getting eight wins or nine wins – He's a seven-year guy at Indiana. He's coached against Ryan Day since Ryan Day's been there. He's had all training camp to prepare. I think that Coach Ryan Day was holding back a lot. Uh, I have my own theory on his quarterback situation, um, which is I think that they're creating this controversy in half and half to try to make Notre Dame week four um, prepare for both. Um, So I I think that they're going to get Kyle McCord to try to go out there and, and play his game and get ahead early. And then I think they're going to toss it over to Devin Brown and make Notre Dame in week four prepare for both guys. And, and Devin Brown's more the runner. Uh, McCord's a little bit more the passer. But I think Coach Allen at Indiana did a great job, um, you know, playing defense against Marvin Harrison. They really weren't able to get him in a rhythm. Igbuka did not have many targets at all. I think he had three catches for 19 yards. Uh, that kind of screwed up one of my parlays. Um, thought he'd get a little bit more action there. So he's not going to be held down very long. Marvin Harrison's going to start demanding the ball if he's not getting the ball. So, you know, I still think this is going to be an explosive offense at some point, but it seemed like during the game, you got to give credit to Indiana's coaching. And although Ohio State had the best players everywhere, I think the best player on the field was Indiana's linebacker. I looked it up. Aaron Casey, I think is his name. He had 11 tackles, tackle for loss. He had like seven or eight solo stops. Dude was everywhere, and he just wanted it more that game. That was his Super Bowl. He was going out, I don't know if it's his junior or senior year, and he played lights out, man, and and short yardage, Ohio State could not convert. I I think they were very bad on third down, so you can't sustain drives if you're going one for eight. At some point, they were one for eight on third down, Um, so hopefully our defense can do something like that if we go balls to the wall and, and we go all out and stop them on third and fourth down. Um, you know, eliminate the big plays and keep this thing close. I remember playing Michigan State in 2011. We lost, but I don't know, Kyle, what was it, 14 to 6 going into the fourth or something? I mean, it was 14 to 6, 20 to 6, maybe we lost. So keep it close. Keep it close. They're not in a rhythm. They're not in a rhythm when we kind of caught a rhythm in the second half. Yeah, right. And my two cents on it is I think this is the first time. And I may be wrong. I don't remember Ryan Day ever having a quarterback who wasn't really an athlete. And some offenses, uh, Lincoln Riley in particular, uh, we never seen Lincoln Riley's offense without a athlete, a quarterback with Baker Mayfield, Caleb Williams, we have you. Same at Ohio State. And, and maybe it doesn't jive with a pocket passer. I, I don't know. And, and that's just me talking and maybe we'll be the ones to expose that or maybe I'll be completely wrong. I, I have no idea. Um, but just moving on guys to the keys of the game uh, for the Penguins to beat Ohio State. Uh, I'm going to kick it off and I'm going to kick it off from 
my very first game at Youngstown State was in 2008 uh, as a freshman. Dan, you were there before you guys, uh, you guys were in high school, Kurt and Kyle. Uh, we took a bus to Columbus, and um, it was Beanie Wells, Terrell Pryor at quarterback. Uh, the godfather was their head coach calling the plays. And um, and I'll say one thing that I remember from that is um, uh, as the defense, you know, I was on the defense side of the ball. The defense would be on the field. Hey, um, they'd get a stop come off the field, offense would come on. And Brian Wright was calling the plays at the time. And at the time, it was a no-huddle, hurry-up offense. So the defense, after being completely drained of finally making a stop after Ohio State drive maybe 50 yards, um, uh, we would have a pass complete, incomplete, uh, first on first down. Second outcome, we'd run the ball for a couple yards. And then on third down, we were yelling, punt ready. And I remember it felt like the defensive line, Butch just hit the bench, just trying to grasp some air. And we were calling punt team get ready uh, as it became third down because they had to jump right back up in a maybe uh, 30, 30 to 40 seconds flat. We ran two plays like that, and the defense was back on the field. And Trestle just ran our defense where we had no breath. And I don't think Brian Wright realized, like, you can't run the hurry-up offense um, and tire the team out. So saying all that, getting my key of the game, the offense needs to slow down. We have to go as slow as possible, kill the clock, wait for the opportunities, wait for Ohio State to give us a break and capitalize on that mistake. However, Run the clock as much as possible. The more time on the clock is not in our favor. We need there to be as little time on the clock as possible and take advantage of the breaks that Ohio State gives us. Uh, over to you, Cyril. You're muted. Good catch, Kurt. Yeah, unfortunately, um, I don't want to be a downer, but you know what? Like We were pretty down on, on Valparaiso last week. We're in Valparaiso's shoes now. We're this is a different level level of football that we're going up against, um, and I don't think we're going to play scared. We've we haven't played those guys. We haven't played an FBS team scared. But like you had mentioned, Sal, like how deep how deep can our our guys go? Right, like in the in the second half, what what are our guys going to have left in the tank? So slowing the game down is definitely going to help us. Um, you know, conserve some energy, uh, get some some guys some some rest on the sideline getting them uh ready to go in the second half uh my key to the game would be um you know on defense playing fast like they did in that third quarter against Valpo playing free just disrupt something find some find some uh lanes and and just make something happen um don't let the game get away from them early and then uh you know see what happens in the third fourth quarter Dan. Yeah, uh, you know, Kyle and Kurt, uh, everyone's in, and Sal, good points there. I mean, Sal and, and Kurt's going to follow up here, but Sal, you, you touched on that game in 08. You know, we played, it was the second time we played them. We played them in those back to back years, 07, 08. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a heck of an atmosphere. Uh, Sal, your point about shortening the game is, is spot on. It's kind of like when, the, in a basketball analogy, you got, I don't know, 
UNLV running up and down the court, and Duke in that one game when they beat them just kind of tried to slow the amount of possessions down. Um, you, you can't just kind of go in there and trade punches with Ohio State, so to speak. Um, we've got to be able to run the ball, and I'm not saying we're going to you know, run for 300 yards, but you've got to pick and choose where we can run the ball a little bit. You know, uh, We don't want to just be in there dropping back the pass and that one freak defensive end they've got, number 44, just got his ears pinned back. Kyle, you know how that goes, and he's just coming after Mitch. So there's a lot that goes into that. I think this is a real cool moment to watch our coaching staff, how they manage this this moments like this you know when we beat Pitt uh all you guys remember it was we've got to play our football you know we've got to be able to run the ball maybe there's a wrinkle in there was it Penguin cookies pass to Will Shaw was that the play the play call on that yeah you know um and some guys you know you you maybe got to play uh better than you've ever played in your life um uh, I don't, Kyle, you touch on a great point. You know, Youngstown State's not afraid of anyone. We won't go in there with that mentality, but we can't do, and I think both Kyle and Sal, you touched on this. We can't have those Valpo moments where we give up a block punt. Sal talked about a great point. Maybe this is one of our better special teams, uh, you know, teams, so to speak. So we've got to be really good. I know this is boring like sounds like coach talk we got to be sound in special teams we got to be able to run the ball can't turn it over but that's what happens in these games if you if we just open the floodgate a little bit then you're asking for trouble so yeah we can't go three and out and give the ball back to Ohio State in 46 seconds um you know but I think our guys will will play really really well I, I I do but both you guys touched on some really key points you know try and possess the ball don't turn it over. Don't be giving up punt returns for touchdowns. Um, and it's going to be a tall task, you know, covering those two receivers they've got. But as we mentioned, we lost one of our DBs. So that first half is, you know, survive those big shots till he gets back in. But it'll be cool to see the coaches plan for this and, and uh, how we uh, handle some of those, you know, big moments that Ohio State is going to try and put out. I wouldn't be surprised if they come out first play out the gate, try and throw one get Marvin Harrison running down the sidelines and air it out and seeing if he, he can go get one. So. Dirty. Good. Kurt. Yeah. I think, I mean, anytime we've paid what well, we played Michigan state twice, Penn state and, and during the rhythm and the flow of those games, I always felt like if we could get into a third manageable or a third and short, we'd have a higher percentage of of converting and sustain somewhat of a drive give our defensive a break and you know that's something that was talked about I felt like in the huddle with you know on the headset with coach Monty and just hey get out there and sustain you know if it's three and out and three and out and three and out now now Michigan State's O-line is going to wear us down the one thing that I'm really interested to see is Ohio State you know since early last year really has not really kept a solid run game and they relied on Stroud a lot last year, and, and they may have to rely on McCord a little bit this year, but if we could get them into third and eight-plus and really start to try to get somewhat of a pressure because their run game has just not been their strength. So if we can keep them in third and long early and keep, you know, when we're on offense, get to third and manageable somehow, 
Um, I really think that we can keep this thing close. Uh, and so, I mean, as simple as that sound, I really think that that's probably the key to the game because, you know, Ohio State didn't convert well last week on third down. Historically with Ryan Day, we have not had a solid run game. I mean, Urban's recruits with Ryan Day the first year, I, I forget the guy's name that we had. Um, you know, he, he started getting something going, but that's been two and a half years since they've, you know, Ohio State's really had something sustainable, right? I, I, I don't know. I mean, Youngstown State seems like if we can get into third and short and third and manageable, I, I really think that that's where it's going to be won and lost. If we're in third and long and we're dropped back and passing, it's going to be tough because that defense is solid. Um, and if they're in third and short, then they're going to have converted long, sustained drives. And so third down's a money down. Shout out Elkins told me that last week again, like third down money down and, and – as simple as that seems, I really think that's going to be where it decides the score. Well, let's go, speaking of scores, let's go as quickly as possible to uh, predictions on what we think the score is going to be. Uh, I'm going to kick it off. I, I think that we are going to actually come out fired up. I think we're going to be hanging with them in the first half. I think it's going to be a close first half. I think it might be 10-3 uh, to 3 or 14-3. Or to 3. I have a final score of Ohio State doing exactly what we did to Valpo in the second half. Uh, I think it'll be 38-3 Ohio State over Youngstown State is my uh, score prediction, uh, sadly. Uh, Searle? Yeah, so um, I, th I don't think we're going to necessarily keep it close in the first half just because we don't have our starting cornerback with their, with their receivers. Um, you know, I think that this team is better than the team that played Kentucky last year. And I, I was at the Kentucky game and, and that team played really well. And the score was still 31 to zero. Now, granted those uh, Kentucky scored a couple of those points late. I imagine Ohio state's going to do the same thing. I do think we'll have a little bit more offensive production, but I have uh, the score being 42 to seven. Dan. What's the Sal Casino line on this game? I, I didn't. I might have missed that. Can you give me that? It's minus thirty-five and a half. Ohio State. Okay. Well, I'm gonna take those points as as a Penguin. So I, I, I don't know about a score, but I'll I'll take those points. The Penguins will will cover with those points. I I, I think and I hope that Ohio State's quarterback still. If you're playing two, maybe you don't have one, right? Is that the old adage from a QB standpoint? If you're playing two, then you don't have one. So hopefully they're going through those struggles against us. But I think we'll score some points. I, I hope we're, you know, the old adage, Sal, you touched. We played these games back in the day and was like, oh, can we score a touchdown? We've got some right. good players. Yeah, we've got some good players too. But it's got to be a clean game on our part. We we so I think YSU uh, covers the spread. Curdy, I think we get ahead. I think we get ahead like ten to seven or um, seven to three or something. And and I, I just get the sense being in Columbus that there's starting to be a little bit of concern and worry. Whereas Columbus has been very comfortable with Stroud and with Justin Fields and. Haskins and Barrett and and now there's this unknown guy and so I think we get ahead early and I think that they end up winning 42-21 um 
But I, you know, I, I, I don't know if we put a, if we get a big play. You know, I watched a video of us of West Virginia in 2016. I think Ricky hit Alvin Bailey for a bomb, and you know, Ohio State's going to play man coverage at some point, and they're going to give us a shot. And whether it, whether it's Bryce or not, I think we're going to hit a big play early, kind of like what we did against Penn State our first year. Um, we hit a big play. We're going to get ahead, but I think eventually they're going to wear us down. So 42-21. 42-21. Got it all written down. We'll have to recap it uh, uh, next week. Uh, moving on, uh, real quick. Uh, actually, thanks, uh, Kurt. The rankings were updated, so I just want to share the latest updated rankings in FCS uh, for Missouri Valley. Uh, we do have a load of Missouri Valley Football Conference people ranked now. Number one is South Dakota State still. North Dakota State is number two. Number 17 is North Dakota. Number 21 is Northern Iowa. Uh, now joining the top 25 is the Southern Illinois Salukis, who were not ranked now last week, are now number 24. And now joining the rankings is your Youngstown State Penguins, number 25 in the country, topping off the top 25, top 25 for FCS. Uh, uh, going into week two after seeing the week one's rant. Uh, time for the picks. And guys, we'll, we'll do this as quickly to the point as possible. We'll just go straight down in order. Kurt, Dan, Searle, uh, say who you think is going to win the game and then who you're going to make uh, pick to make uh, or, or win the spread, I guess. Uh, we're starting with the Missouri Valley and then a couple key games of the week. Thursday night. I'm sorry, Thursday night, Murray State is at Louisville. I have Louisville as a minus 28 and a half odds. I myself am picking Murray State to not win the game, but they will make sure to cover those points. I got Louisville and Louisville to cover. You're muted. Damn. Kevin. My bad, my bad. I got Louisville and Louisville to cover. Louisville to cover, Sal. Damn, I'm by myself on that one. Well, going into Friday, Indiana State is at Indiana. Uh, I have Indiana at a minus 35 and a half spread. Uh, as you guys heard me say earlier, I think Indiana State is absolutely terrible. I wish they were leaving the conference and not Western Illinois after I saw that game on um, on Thursday at 6 p.m. I have Indiana winning and covering and winning huge. <laughs> you just picked the Sycamores up and you put them under the bus and threw them under the bus. Say, get out of this car. They stink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Indiana and Indiana to cover. Yeah. You know, the head coach of Indiana State's dad used to be the head coach in Indiana back in the day. Bill Mallory was – the coach Indiana back in the day. So, but yeah, crazy. But I got Indiana and Indiana to cover. Indiana to cover. Easy pick. Yeah, that, that's like, I'm not even going to get into it. South Dakota State, <laughs> Indiana State, is it's that, that's like Clemson, Florida State, and, and Boston College. It's like, or Virginia. It's like, are we even in the same conference? Wow. <laughs> anyway, uh, Saturday. As we talked about, we already picked it. Youngstown State Penguins are at Ohio State. As Dan asked earlier, um, Ohio State is a minus 35 and a half 
uh, point, and I will answer all this because we already gave our score predictions. We are all picking Youngstown State not to win the game, but to cover the 35.5 spread. And Cyril and I living dangerously, we actually picked exactly 35 points. Uh, So moving on to the next game, St. Thomas of Minnesota is at South Dakota. Um, South Dakota is a minus 14 and a half um, favorite. I'm picking South Dakota to both win and cover. I was really impressed with what I saw with them uh, at Missouri last weekend. I got the same, Sal. Likewise, South Dakota to win, cover. Make it four. Nice. Uh, Still Illinois, the Salukis, as I mentioned, they are now in the top 25. They are number 24. They are at Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois is a minus 10.5 favorite. Um, After seeing Northern Illinois beat Boston College, I'm not going to say I'm impressed by them for beating Boston College, but the way they rallied back and and really put themselves together, um, I think Northern Illinois is a pretty good team this year. I have them winning and covering. I got Salukis on the upset. Upset winning or just covering? Winning. Ooh, money line. I got Northern Illinois uh, covering. Well, I got to make up some ground somehow, so I'm going to take Southern Ill with the points. Uh, Going on, Maine is at the North Dakota State Bison. North Dakota State is a minus 28 and a half. Um, After I saw what they did to Eastern Washington, who's a pretty good team, I have North Dakota State both winning and covering. Bison. Yep, Bison. Covering. Bison, baby. Shout out Eric Gallon. What's up? Bison. Bison. Illinois State is at Western Ill, which will probably, it looks like, be the first Missouri Valley Conference game against each other. Uh, Illinois State is a minus 24 favorite. I have Illinois State both winning and covering after what I saw them uh, just completely dominate last week. I think Ill State will win, but 24 seems like a lot to me in a conference game. I got Western Ill keeping it close. Ill State will win. I got Illinois State covering, even though that's a horrible place to play, that stadium. I'm I'm almost want to go with Kurt, but man, I gotta yeah. What a dump. I I think Illinois State handled their business against uh Dayton, who I I don't think is a bad program. Um I'll take Illinois State to to cover. I'm gonna say I think Illinois State's really, really good. Uh, we'll talk more about them, but I think they're definitely the most underrated, not talked about team in the conference. Um, who's not even receiving votes, and I don't understand just why. But uh, moving on, Northern Arizona is at North Dakota. Um, I think Northern Arizona as a program is not on the nearly the same level as um, North Dakota, who's a minus 28-and-a-half favorite. I'm taking North Dakota to both win and cover. Same. Make that a third, the North Dakota covers. Missouri Valley Conference cover. Yo, what yeah, up, and you know? 
in Northern Arizona, I believe it's in Flagstaff, which if you ever guys ever been there, I think it's the most overrated city. I don't know why people say to go visit it. It was, it was, I'll quit giving a hard time to Northern Arizona, but <laughs> I don't know why anyone would, would want to go there. Um, big out of conference game. There's actually two of them, starting with Weber State at the <clears throat> UD Dome. You and I is a minus four uh, favorite. And again, it, it's especially after Weber got to host that playoff game, uh, Missouri Valley Conference should really take them as a rival to the entire conference. Um, I have you and I winning, and I have them winning big and cover it. Panthers will roll. Yeah, even though I can't put my 105-pound pit bull, you guys can't see my T-shirt. Pit, <laughs> says pit bull dad. My, my, hey. my, guy, my guy Max can't fit on my lap so Kyle I'm jealous of you right now but um I'm gonna go with you and I covering Sal was this uh Sal's casino spread yes very very not very generous with the with the spread here I think it's Northern Iowa with an easy easy cover We'll see. I mean, Weber State Lumber, they're, they're a playoff team, and, and they gave them that home bid that they didn't deserve last year because they thought they were just missing being a seeded team. But, uh, but traveling traveling across the country to northern Iowa, playing in the Uni Dome, that's that's not an easy place to play. So we if it was at Weber State, I would consider a different you know outcome, but northern Iowa at home, easy cover. And that's going to be a fun game to watch. I'm definitely going to tune into that one and this game coming up. Um, and this really goes back to when we interviewed Patty, the commissioner, when she said last year, um, the key is last year that we need to do this year is win those big key out-of-conference games. Well, this is one of them as well. Number three in the country, Montana State, travels the number one defending champs, South Dakota State. Um, I have South Dakota State a minus seven and a half favorite um i have them winning and covering and and youngstown state personally needs south dakota state to win big and they we need them to roll montana state just to show uh how much better our conference is than montana states yeah i'm gonna take i'm gonna take the jackrabbits too and they'll probably win by a few scores two or three scores but it seems like this missouri valley especially early in the year is getting these playoff teams at home yeah i'll go south dakota state uh covering there but man montana state's usually pretty good so we'll see but i'm going with the jackrabbits yeah montana state is traditionally pretty good um i still can't get over the fact that south dakota state's returning 19 starters so south dakota state to cover Moving on, uh, Missouri State is at UT, UT Martin. Um, I'm giving Missouri State a minus 13 and a half spread. Um, I have them both winning and covering the spread. Didn't UT Martin hold Georgia to like seven points in the first 20 minutes of that game? Yeah. Wow. I think so. Give me UT Martin. Not yeah, to I got you. Points. Yeah, I got UT Martin. I'm taking them as well. I'll take UT Martin. 
All right. Uh, interesting game. You got and that'll wrap. That'll actually wrap it up for the Missouri Valley. But I have some few key games I just want to go through real quick uh, to wrap up the cast. Um, one very interesting one, and you guys have probably saw it on the notes and thought I was crazy. Uh, my arch nemesis of Southern Utah is at BYU. Uh, <laughs> BYU minus nine and a half is favored. I also like to point out that last week Southern Utah lost 24-21 to Arizona State. Meanwhile, BYU struggled against Sam Houston State, beating them 14-0. I think Southern Utah makes this close, and I'm not going to say I'm going to pick Southern Utah to win, but BYU is definitely not going to win by two scores. I'm taking Southern Utah. My neighbor down the street is a big BYU fan. I'm taking BYU. Are they Mormon? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I know. he's awesome best recommendations yep. in the neighborhood there you go i'm gonna go byu as well southern utah played an arizona state team new coaching change hey you know the defense coordinator at arizona state used to coach at western illinois and he coached at north dakota brian ward mm-hmm. i believe he's their dc at arizona state someone fact checked me on that but i think it is but i'm going with byu i'll take southern utah with the points Sal. All right, uh, moving on, and um, this is another one you guys might think I'm crazy, but Florida A&M, where Jelani Barasa, our receiver coach, is just coming from, is at my backyard at USF. Uh, USF also a minus nine and a half uh, favorite, and uh, the reason I put this game on here is because Florida A&M just rolled Jackson State with their first conference loss since um, Dion showed up, they beat Jackson State 28-10. to Meanwhile, South Florida struggled against Western Kentucky and lost. Uh, I think that Florida A&M is going to come into Tampa, Florida and beat USF. And uh, um, I think things are going to have to really change at USF pretty soon here. Hey, FAMU still has the same head coach? Yes. What, Willie Simmons? Yep. Yeah, I'm taking FAMU with the points. I'm going to take South Florida, but not to cover. I don't pay attention to Tampa football. I'll take your word for it, Sal. Give me uh, Florida to upset. Florida A&M. Let, yo, let's go. Come on, Sal. Uh, uh, yeah. USF loses. Holy cow. Tampa's in trouble, man. What Dude, are we doing? They, they are the in trouble. Tampa Hold the, the program. Team. You USF, mean, you mean getting you, a football team back? Getting them back. Yeah, that's true. Well. USF, if USF loses, Sal, you should go on the campaign, hire the Godfather, bring him to Tampa, and resurrect it. Wow. For the for the longest time, Cheryl, fun fact: I think it was before Jameis Winston, University of Tampa was the only one who had a number one overall draft pick in uh, Matusak to the Raiders. I think the Raiders took him. So in the state of Florida, he was the only number one overall draft pick out of a, a school from Florida. Um, but moving on, uh, Curdy, your school, number 13, uh, Notre Dame. Interesting matchup early is at NC State. I gave Notre Dame a minus seven and a half uh, favorite, and I'm going to pick them to win and cover. Yeah, I think Notre Dame's playing really good ball right now, plus they get an early trash ACC team. So give me Notre Dame. <laughs> Yep, I let Notre Dame rolls big. Notre Dame wins big. 
Sorry, Notre Shane. Dame. I didn't mean to Notre... say that about NC State. My bad. <laughs> Notre Dame. Let's go, baby. Go Irish. Moving on, number 23, Texas A&M is at Miami. I gave TAMU minus four favorite, and I have them uh, winning and covering. And I really think, and I you could fact check me on this too, it, with Jimbo Fisher's whole time at Florida State and at A&M, I don't think he's ever lost to Miami. I think Jimbo knows how to beat Miami and their swag regardless. I'm going A&M. Give me the U to win. Oh man. Well, I guess I gotta take A and M then. I'm I'm gonna go with A and M there. Um I gotta somehow Kurt's been on a roll. I gotta try and pick one opposite of him. So I'm a, I'm gonna go A and M. I'm gonna pick against uh cop daddy. I'm gonna go uh with the U. The U. It's all about uh, the U, baby. Number twenty five, Iowa is at the fighting John Haycox of Iowa State. In-state rivalry game, Iowa minus four. Uh, I'm picking Johnny Haycock. Uh, I don't know if he'll win the game, but he'll definitely cover. I'm picking Iowa State. Sal, so I'm going to go with you here. Same same pick as you, but interesting to see. I think it's Graham Mertz from Wisconsin is now at Iowa. Um, so taking an interesting path. I heard some early comparisons. I, I think these are unfair. But the way that Joe Burrow was not getting playing time and did not have success at Ohio State and went to LSU, and now people are trying to compare the way that he played at Wisconsin, didn't have success, but different scenery. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Wait, who's Iowa's quarterback? I thought it was Graham Mertz. Oh, where'd the guy from Michigan go? Kate. Oh, no, you're oh. right, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry, McNamara, it, right? Yeah, McNamara. Where'd, where'd yeah. Mertz go? I messed that up. He should have stayed with Phil Longo. Um, Gosh, yeah, he really should have. He changed too. You're right, McNamara. Okay, yeah, he's I'm wrong. I'm still going Johnny Haycox though. Yeah, yep. Um, Yeah, that McNamara has changed Iowa, but I'm not picking against Coach Campbell and Coach Haycock. Um, Iowa State wins the game. Yeah, I learned my lesson last week. Iowa State to win. And that will be the gambling sports bet bowl of Iowa and Iowa State. Uh, moving on, number 11, Texas is at number four, the fighting Eric Wolfords in Alabama. Roll Tide. Uh, this will be where college game day is Saturday, by the way, as the game of the week. Um, I just realized watching the Florida State game last night at halftime, Sarkeesia came on. And one of the craziest stats I saw was that Starkeesian was uh, 14-12 and 12 as head coach of Texas. And part of this season, he was 13-12, and 12, uh, just over 500 and barely having a winning record. Yet Texas remains number 11 in the country. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, Alabama is a minus four um, favorite. I'm thinking Alabama to win. And I think they're going to come out trying to make a statement I think Alabama wins by two scores. Yeah, I like Alabama in this one too, Sal. Yeah, I like Alabama. It's hard to defend this quarterback, that uh, Jalen Milrow, right? The new quarterback mm -hmm. for Bama. Looks like he can do a lot. And you mentioned another Y-Town boy, Eric Wolford. How many how many Y-Town coaching shout-outs did we get? Wolford, Haycock, I mean, all kinds of – that's great for Youngstown. But, yeah, Bama, roll tide, baby, roll tide. I think that Texas-Bama game last year was absolutely just kept you on the edge of your seat. 
Um, I think Alabama's going to make it make a make it a point that um, you know that they deserve that win last year. They're going to uh, beat them big, and you have it at minus seven. So I'm definitely going to take Bama more than seven. Uh, well, that kind of wraps up the games. However, um, any other – I have one in particular, but any other games that I didn't mention or, or put on the spread that you think are not north noteworthy for predictions but just noteworthy that are going on that you think people should potentially tune into? Hold on. Let me bring up the jukebox here. Hey, Coach, Graham Mertz is at Florida now. Ooh, That's okay. It. So Wisconsin. I was a little Florida. shocked Florida got beat kind of. Same. Same. Yeah, I mean, i tell you what, though. You want to talk about maybe the most underrated coach in America that uh, at Willingham, or no, what the heck, uh, the guy at Utah. Oh, my God. Can't think of his last name. Win- yeah. Yep. Winning. Yeah. yeah. Winning. Yeah. That dude does. What a job he does, man. That guy, man. Well, let me give you a game of the week that I just wanted to mention. I just said we'll put on here because uh, it's not really noteworthy nationally, but between us boys, um, the Purdue uh, Big Ten division champions, reigning champs, <laughs> who went down to Fresno State last week are going to head to Blacksburg, Virginia uh, to enter Sandman and take on my Hokies. Uh, I will be at the Penguin game. That game's also at noon, so I will not be watching. However, anyone at home during halftime, if you want to flip over and see the ACC completely dominate the Big Ten division champions, uh, it it might be a good time to do so, Um, especially after Florida State dominated SEC Western division champion. You know, those are the two power conferences going down to the ACC. But I think Virginia Tech – comes out big, and I think they blow out Purdue. And uh, not that Virginia Tech's good, but Purdue and the Big Ten are just that overrated. I think people on the Purdue roster would miss their football game if they had, like, an engineering test. I think they would would skip the game. Yo, Sal, did you write that note down so you can eat your words uh, next week? I got it. I got it written down, so (laughs) – Good. I, I, Good. I tell you, one game I might want to that we talked about earlier. Colorado is at Nebraska. So right. Matt, yeah, yeah, Matt rolls the new coach took over a program that was struggling pretty bad. Yeah, let's see how. You know, I think Nebraska's, you know, better. Well, I don't know. Are they better than know. TCU? Dan, I was going to put that game on the thing on the uh, our pick'em. But after seeing Nebraska and after seeing Colorado, I think Colorado is just going to just – I think it's going to be a monster just destroy Nebraska. I think they're really well, going to destroy I, them. Nebraska yeah, I mean, wasn't I think in ne- any games last year, and then they no. lost to Minnesota, Minnesota. right? Minnesota has yeah. been okay. Yeah, that guy, another uh, part of the godfather tree, P.J. Flex, done a good yeah. job there. But. I think- but I, I think Nebraska will have a better defensive scheme. I mean, TCU, like you pointed out, they probably gave up in those losses they had. What they give up? 50 points a game, maybe? So I think Nebraska will probably be a little, you know, but it'll be interesting to see how Shador Sanders you know, plays again. I mean, you know. I think Coach Prime's going to go pad his boys' stats. I just think it's going to be yeah. a yeah. – 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if they roll them by 24 points. Yeah. Well, let, let's wrap it up. Yep. Any last thoughts? Again, Youngstown State Penguins at Ohio State this week. Uh, any last comments or wishing the boys good luck before we sign off? Yeah, just stay tuned to the Instagram. We're flirting around with some ideas of a uh, ticket giveaway if you're looking ticket <laughs> for tickets for Saturday. Got a uh, huge YSU alumni endowment from a uh, from a Cleveland slash what Arizona product in Freddie Herdman. Right. Um, so I know many viewers. If you know Fred, you you assume that he just lost the tickets and we found them. Um, <laughs> but Fred's actually out of town on business and can't make the game. So Fred's donating the tickets to uh, a Youngstown Penguin podcast giveaway. So keep your eyes out this week on social media if you want some tickets to the game. Go ahead, Kyle. You first. Yeah, I just want to tell those guys, play fast and uh, play free. Just take care of your responsibilities and have fun, man. Good one, yeah. Uh, first, a thanks to Fred. I, I remember meeting Fred when, and his dad and mom. What a cool family, all the way from Arizona here. to. Um, uh, but actually, I think Fred's dad played football with one of the Haycock brothers at Muskingum, which was pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think – Ohio State game, you know, let's just come out there and play clean. Just, you know, let's not turn the ball over a bunch and let's let's come up with some uh some nice calls there, some good scheme and play hard and we'll be all right. Good luck hey, to hey. those guys and Coach Phillips and, and the whole group, man. Looking forward to it. And and Curdy, I'm glad you mentioned those tickets. Yes, please follow uh us at Whitetown Penguin Podcast on Instagram. That's how you'll find out how to get those free tickets donated to the podcast show. And they are great seats. Uh, so it is it is something that uh, uh, should be noteworthy as well. And it looks like this game will be a sold-out game as it will be Ohio State's first home game of the 2023 season. Uh, but again, good luck to the Penguins on Saturday at noon at Ohio State, uh, number three in the country, as we are now 25 in the country in the FCS rankings. Uh Please give us a follow on um, on Instagram, White Town Penguin Podcast. Give us a share, like on any podcast where any podcasts are found, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio. Uh, but that is it for now. Again, I'm your host, Sal Guardo. That's Dan Kopp. That's Kurt Hess. That's Kyle Searle. Thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, go Penguins.